fragrances, candles, room sprays, perfumes, and colognes by Tessa Williams. This is Chat and Spin Radio. Keep it locked on chatandspinradio.com. Thanks so much to my next guest, who is the author and editor of the iconic magazine of the 90s, Loaded magazine, James Brown. James, how are you today? feel great. Great. My football team got promoted this week. Okay. Excellent. Permanent smile, Leeds United. Ah, Leeds. Wow, great team. Okay. So football is really one of your passions and um, I guess music as well. But you had a real dream job for um, some years. Many men would have loved it. You were editor of this incredible magazine, Loaded. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, actually... um you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head with, those, with that introduction there because when I started it, I'd had four or five years as a music writer on the NME, which yeah. in itself was a brilliant job. And then after about a year and a half away from there, I, uh, I got, they called me up and asked if I'd, if I'd come back and maybe be the editor. And whilst we were talking, they also said, what about doing your own magazine? And I said, yeah, you know, I like a magazine that mixes music and football. That was the the starting point to to launching that magazine. And um, it took them about a year and a half to get the guts together to launch it. And I kind of thought it would sell like maybe 10,000 copies or 100,000 copies. I didn't didn't think it would sell half a million. Wow, yeah. Or kind of create create a worldwide... uh, new sector in the in the publishing market that's that's what happened amazing so and you started off writing as you said for the nma and you also wrote for like the sunday times magazine and stuff i remember in the time in the day as well you wrote features for them on music was that at just before loaded or at the same time yeah that was that was i left the enemy basically because uh well, basically, because they didn't interview to me be to be the editor when I was twenty, about twenty four, twenty five, and um, I just went off and hung around with your and another guest that you've had on your show, Martin Goodacre, and he was in a band that I managed for a bit. And oh wow! Yeah, I needed I needed to make a little bit of money, and uh, I'd been the band had supported the Cult, the great British rock band, the Cult. Oh uh, wow! The Subterranean in London, and um, okay, brilliant. I was uh, worse for wear, and I dived off the balcony at the venue onto the crowd below. <laughs> okay. And luckily, I just landed. Nobody knows. I mean, luckily, I just landed on people dancing, <laughs> and uh, nobody got hurt. But I was, I was deranged to be honest. On pure gra- marijuana, grass splits, and um, amazing. But on the Monday, that was on a Saturday night, and on the Monday I just met up for a cup of tea with a guy I knew who worked for the Sunday Times. I used to live at Tower Bridge just by their offices. Yeah. And we just into each other, and then he said, God, I was at this gig on Saturday. I said, this guy dive off a balcony. I said, that was me. He went, wow. And he said, will you, will you write a feature about stage diving and include the fact that you took it to, like, 
you know, balcony diving, which, of course, I'd seen in Quadrophenia years ago. That's where I got the idea from. Yeah. Um, so I, after then, I wrote, I was writing a little bit for the Sunday Times magazine, and I was interviewing a few rock stars and writing sort of rock and roll-related pieces. I wrote a big piece about the return of heroin to, to kind of rock music and how it was wow. killing people. I wrote a piece about, just at the start of, I don't know if you remember, but I mean, you, you've obviously worked in the fashion world yourself, and when grunge music first came out, with Nirvana and yeah. and and that kind of Seattle sound, there was also a, a phrase for grunge in fashion as well. So yeah. they asked me to write a piece about, they asked me to be about, write a piece about grunge, and I, so I spent a week without washing. <laughs> oh, no way! <laughs> on tour with Martin's band, and I wrote some really good pieces, and I wrote another piece about why some people's cars are really messy. Um, okay, why is that, you reckon? I wrote another piece about guys who are just incapable of being stylish, like Neville Southall, the Everton goalkeeper. <laughs> uh, and, and at the same time, I was writing a few short pieces like this for Arena magazine, like guys sort of in a state of disrepair, you know, people who weren't the archetypal yuppie British super smart young man, you know, okay. the kind of, kind of, uh, and, and they, that became one element of what Loaded was about, you know, um, so I, so that time of the Sunday Times was important for me because one, it paid, it was the only money I was earning, I went on tour with you too all around. Oh yeah, I read that, yeah. Yeah. That was good. I did a big, big feature with them. I went to Europe and America with them, a few different locations. Uh, I went on their plane and it was just Amazing. Was really... So mm. that's what I was doing before Loaded. Uh, I wrote the first ever piece about the Predator football book. It's just mm. the first really, really high price football book, football boot. That was in Arena. And but I was just doing all these bits and pieces in different locations and Suddenly, I got a chance to do my own magazine, and uh, and I was able to go off and find about six or seven other like-minded people who all had their own passions, and you know mm-hmm. that's, that's really where it started from. And uh, you know, Loaded was very different to those magazines that followed it, like FHM and Maxim, in my time. Yeah, like, our covers would normally be our heroes or people that would be liked. And so we've got like. Gary Oldman, Frank Skinner, Jimmy White, the snooker player, Excellent. Barry Grant, Barry Grant from Brookside, El McPherson, mm. Nassim Hamed, Gaza, Vic and Bob. Mm-hmm. It was mainly for those characters. Years, it, yeah. it, the, yeah. the vast majority were men on the cover. You know, it wasn't that sort of babes and boobs thing that sure, that sure. Became, which I get blamed for. <laughs> yeah, your fault, mate. <laughs> yeah. But what was the very first thing, James, that drew you into uh, magazines and journalism, would you say? Were you into it from school or what? I used to read a lot of comics when I was a kid. I used to love Tiger and Jag and Ryder Rovers and and Core and Cheeky and things like that. And then uh, the first magazines... I remember buying, I guess, was The Enemy, and then Smash Hits came out not long after that, so I was the first generation of Smash Hits reader. And, yeah. And, you know, yeah. Smash Hits at its peak was very, very mainstream pop. Mm. But at the start, it was just an extension. It was like a glossy extension of The Enemy, really. It was 
It was edited by a former NME editor and it was written by NME staffers in their part of time. So they were the, and then NME I really liked because it was quite, it was, it was just, you know, it was an interesting world of people writing about music quite seriously, but it also had things like there was a great big piece on the Right to Work March and it had, you know, I had interviews with the bands I was really into in, in, in the late, you know, the mid to late 70s. Yeah. I started buying records. So the first album I ever bought for myself was Parallel Lines by Blondie. And cool. the first singles would be people like Ian Jory and the Blockheads. And then later The Cure, The Undertones, The Jam. I used to be a big, big fan of The Jam. So, you know, I was 13 in 1978. Yeah. So I you know, around the same time, you know, kind of 11, 12, 13, when I was really getting into music, it was a brilliant time for music. Yeah, and, and the magazines, yeah. Yeah, so, so that's really, I used to pick those magazines up just to to find out about them, really. And, mm. and that, so that was how I got in, and then... And I mean, how did you, know, yeah, how did you get, like, your first job in NME? Well, I did my I did my own little magazine, my fanzine, and what was that called? It was called Attack on Bazag, which was the name of a it was a spoof name of a sort of a pulp war comic or book. Okay, and, uh, but that was bands and music, and I wrote about team. Yeah, things in there. Some things to be kept. So, like the last cover of that, about John Belushi about his kind of like drug-soaked life and death. Yes. That would be a typical, typical thing that we later did in Loaded. And um, also I did a massive piece on Brookside, which I used to love. Brookside, close. You know, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. And then my, my fourth cover on Loaded was Brookside. So mm. I did that. And then I think the first thing I ever had printed in the enemy was letters. I used to write letters to enemy and sounds. Yeah. And then... Uh, and I sort of like, I used to do that a lot. And then I was at a, I was at a festival in, in London. Yeah. I think it was a and d festival in the park. And and lots of bands were playing like The Fall and The Damned and Strawberry Switchblade. And oh, I love Switch, them, Strawberry it, Switchblade. Yeah. Yeah, and I knew the, the review, I, I knew this poet called Stephen Wells. Yeah. And he started... He started writing for the NME under the name Seething Wells, and um, <laughs> he arrived late for the gig. Mm -hmm. And he saw me on this little stall selling fanzines, and he said, "Did you see all the early bands?" I went, "Yeah, of course. It's been great." He said, "Look, I'm supposed to review it. Can you review <laughs> the first band?" So, I, oh, I think my ever my first ever review in the NME was yeah. like about three hundred words long on the Fall and Strawberry Switchblade. And oh, I'd love to read it. Yeah, and then after that, I I reviewed another band, which was my own band, and that didn't go down well. Oh, you had a band as well, as well as managing yeah, the band, just, yeah. What did no, you play in a band? I mean, I'm talking about when I was at school here. I was having reviews printed when I was at school, so, you know, we were just, I was about 18 when I did that. It was just like a laugh. I didn't think they'd print it, and uh, they printed it, so... After that, they didn't, they didn't really want any more reviews for a while from me. And then I started writing for Sounds magazine. And that's really where I went from being a fanzine writer to a, 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 a kind of a professional music journalist, the editor there. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of really helped me and taught me how to write features properly. And after about seven months there, I had a great run of about five covers in six weeks. Oh, wow. I, the, I got an interview with the Beastie Boys. I got an interview with Joe Strummer. Mm. I did the first ever interview with the with the band that became the, the KLF. Okay. And, and at the end of that period, the NME just came and offered me a job. I was doing a better job than their features writers. Mm-hmm. And they had a vacancy. So that was that was how I got my... I mean, the other thing was, we're talking about, you know, I joined the NME in 1987, but in the mid-80s, there were no jobs. When I left school, I didn't know anybody at all who had a job. I went to comprehensive school in Leeds. Yeah. And you... I knew one guy who worked in his dad's greengrocers, and I worked. <laughs> I know another guy on an apprenticeship at a butcher's. Yeah. And and everybody would either go on the dole or into FE colleges. Mm. So I only wanted one job. I was too skinny to play for Leeds United. I wasn't <laughs> bothered about band. Mm. You know, my band was just a laugh. You know, we were just me and my mates messing around. We didn't have real ambition. And, okay. Uh, did you sing in the band, James, or did you play the guitar or drums, or what did you do in the band? I was the singer. <laughs> oh, wow, cool. Very good. Yeah. And but, um, so, so that was how I got in, and I think doing my own fanzine and then writing for a local What's On guide called Leeds of a Paper. Sure. You know, honestly, that wasn't, I wasn't paid for doing those reviews, but it was good to see them printed and... Mm. It was good to see the way people edited them. And, you know, I think anyone who wants to get into journalism now, I would say do your own thing, you know. Sure, yeah. Create your own platform. Mm -hmm. Make yourself, you know, noticeable through what you're doing for yourself. Right, sure. So that people come to you rather than being one of the many, many, many thousands knocking on the door trying to get in. Just do your own thing and... um, yeah, it works you know, for a lot of people, like um, kind of bloggers and stuff like that, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, use social media, just create your own, whatever you do. I mean, whenever, when I was employing people, you know, I've edited about four or five magazines and I've consulted on the same amount and been editorial director on magazines. Whenever we've had to recruit people at the junior level, yeah, I've always, I've always looked for people who have background, so they have experience of life, or more importantly, people who've been writing about the subject we were looking for off their own back, right? Um, because they've got the actual pure interest in the subject, rather than just trying to get a job as a journalist. Yeah, just to write about anything, yeah, that's a very good point. And now with this, um, and there's a new magazine kind of closing all the time, well, not a new magazine, but Q Magazine is closing at the end of this month. Um, do you feel there is still a future for magazines, or how would you feel it is now, James? Well, I mean, Q's been around for a long time, 30 years. And yeah. That's a hell of a long- Really, it's a very, very long time for a magazine. Yeah, excellent. Sounds, which I worked on, which was the biggest selling weekly music paper, only lasted 20 years. And I don't know how long Loaded lasted as a print mag, for maybe 16 years or something. And, you know, so they do have a natural lifetime. But, of course, at the moment, the climate is, 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 is harsh, particularly because of the lockdown. 
people aren't able to get out and buy magazines. But before that, anyway, being honest, yeah. very, few re very few retailers sell magazines anymore. You know, the, the, the space is, is, uh, is, is given to other things. And, um, yeah, and do, and do people read? Mm, that's yeah. another thing. People are always just watching small things. Yeah, but the print magazine market has been replaced pretty much by, uh, you know, what we look at on our phones, whether it's listening to our friends on social media or, you know, reading our, reading people that we that we like following on, on, on Twitter or following on Instagram. You get sure. tremendous, you get, you get better access to information through Google than you ever did for a magazine because you've got m multiple sources Maybe, um, yeah. You, you can cross-reference to YouTube and say you're, you're interested in a band or, you know, a play or a race or whatever you're putting, some flowers, whatever the heck you're interested in, you mm. can go and explore it on a much greater depth. And it's never-ending. And, you you know, you can you can find a whole story yourself if you're that way inclined. Yeah. In the, past, in the past, you replied on, you, you, you know, you relied on picking up a specialist magazine and reading about it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really been, and it's you know, it's, everybody's known this, but we're now in in the era when more magazines, more big name magazines, are closing or changing format than than are launching and becoming successful. Yeah, um, yeah. The thing with a magazine, though, I guess, is it's kind of it's quite nice because it's like a collaboration of more than one person. It's a lot of people coming together to do something artistic that, that's basically a brilliant description of what a magazine is it's for mm. me a magazine is always about the relationship between the people that produce it and the people who, who buy it you know and, yeah. I, and I get to a commercial degree a big commercial degree the people that advertise in it and um you know advertisers don't need to spend money in magazines anymore they, they can just go straight to like their seven million followers on, yeah. their own, on their own branded Instagram account. You know, if, if you're a, whatever type of business you are, if you had previously spent that money and, you know, going through all the different stages of advertising, you could just do it yourself. Yeah, so that, that's true. That's taken the economic, um, you know, safety net away from publishing. And then also what I was saying earlier, that people who want to just be stimulated you know, in the same way that they would have been by magazines previously, they just do it on their phones or on their laptops or their, yeah. you know, their iPads or whatever. And people don't realise that when they're going on Facebook and moaning about queue ending, it is sad. It's very sad for the for the particularly for the people who were working on it. Yeah, who depended on it. Yeah, for the people who have worked on it over the years and who have found it, it's it's very sad for them, emotional for them. But if you go on Facebook or Twitter or, or, or whatever and, and, and write about it, you're feeding the thing that's taking the readers away. True, yeah. You're getting your narrative voice from each other on social media rather than out of a, you know, a journalist's yes. column. Um, yeah. And, and so that's really what's, what's happened. The people don't realize that the more that they contribute to social media, mm. the, the less people the are less. going out reading magazines. Um, yeah, that's a very good point, James. But you still write a lot, and uh, you write now for Daily Telegraph on travel and um, other men's interest subjects as well? Yeah, I mean, my main thing I'm writing at the moment is a book. I'm writing a book about 
music magazines and mayhem. Wow, and really good about, title. It, it's about my career as a music writer and what it, what it was like kind of coming through the 80s and getting involved in music and music journalism professionally and, and then, you know, then launching Loaded and having such a huge success with that and really changing the world of publishing and then just really going into the last golden period of magazines, which was the pre-social me- media era. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wish, I wish we'd had Twitter and, and, and Instagram and, and YouTube when I did Loaded. It would have been fantastic, you know. Do you reckon? You know, it was just so far, I mean, it was so naive. We had a website. We were the first magazines to have a website, and but it was so naive. But we just put pictures of things on. We didn't really... Yeah. I don't think you, it didn't occur to us to put film on. Um, yeah. And um, anyway, so so that's what it's about. And it's about, you know, the consequence of my excessive living during that period of time. And it's, it's got a lot of stories about the people that I interviewed and the bands I championed and then and then the exciting times at, um, at the men's magazines. Excellent. So that's the main thing I'm writing now. And that'll come out in spring. Excellent, very good. I was just going to ask you quickly because you must have met some incredible people during your time and uh, your career and during your time as editor of Loaded. Who would you say, James, were some of the most memorable ones? Um, well, all sorts of different people because there were people I met in my time at the NME who were up and coming but who are still very well known today. So. You know, I championed bands like the Charlatans and the Happy Mondays. Yeah, and that was a, that was really exciting when you when you saw somebody who you knew was really talented and different, and 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 when they became famous and, and really successful, that was uh, you know I loved doing that. I loved you know, and I used to get offered jobs as an A and R man. I was quite a good talent scout on the music. Oh wow! So, yeah, and then, and then much later, um, just trying to think. Um, I mean, from a, as a writer, I met I met George Plimpton and Tom Wolfe, who'd been in, who were, they were, you know, oh, wow. yeah. American, American journalists who'd been a big influence on me on my late teens. And, and yeah. me. That was good. And then when I had Jack Magazine, I spent a day with Robert De Niro. Oh, cool. When, when he was, I don't know if you remember We Will Rock You, the Queen musical. Yeah. Um, he actually owned the rights to the to to aim Queen musical. So when ah. the company, when Phil McIntyre put that that production together, he he actually had financial investment in it. So I spent a day. I was working with them doing the promotion on it. Yeah, uh, interviewing everyone for their program. That that I mean that was pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, you know, was that in London or in New York, James? That was in London when they they launched We Will Rock You in in the West End. And okay, but you know, I think I think the probably the most exciting people that I met were were the bands that I you when like, I was a kid. Yeah. The, when I was a kid, music changed my life because it made me realise that it was the big passion of my life. So like the Sex Pistols and the Buzzcocks and the Specials, especially Beat, Madness. So years later, to be able to meet Peter Shelley from the Buzzcocks or have Johnny Rot and John Lydon ring the loaded office saying how much loves the magazine or wow. meeting Terry Hall from the Specials and featuring him in the magazine. It just that, 
that era of hero to me, when they became people that I know, um, yeah. then, you know, that was, um, that was really, really, really exciting and, you know, I'm kind of friends with a couple of the guys in the Pistols now and... Are you? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I was just going to ask you if you remained friends with any of these people that you met from back in the day. Yeah, yeah, I spent a lot of time in New Order. Okay, cool. It was my first Christmas cover story for NME and, you know, through social media. I've loved Tim Burgess's uh, Twitter parties, Twitter listening parties through okay. lockdown. Okay, yeah. That was, they, they were fantastic. So I think what it is is music always changed something. I've changed the way I felt inside. It take me away from where I was. Yeah, changed totally, the way, like perfume. Totally, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody feels this. It, 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 it's it's really exhilarating, and um, so I think that those those bands that I loved in my early teens, that to get to know them later in life when I was a music writer, they were the people that that were really thrilled. And then you know, just meeting a lot of footballers over the years. You know, that was I mean, yeah. I met, Gary, I met Gary Lineker, and I was quite surprised how in awe I was of him. Okay, yeah, and lovely guy. I met him very briefly and uh, seemed very grounded, natural person. Yeah, just because of, you know, in, in 1986 and 1990, he played so well for England, and that surprised me that, that I felt like that. Yeah. Have you ever, so, sorry, James, I was going to ask you just one last thing is, have you ever met anyone who was a bit kind of underwhelming and they weren't kind of what you'd expected? Yeah, myself. <laughs> Meetings with myself, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, um, uh, oh, I can't. I mean, for the book, I'm going through, um, I'm going through old interviews, and I'm surprised how often I used to, especially when I was just still in my teens, when I was just getting into rows with bands and interviews, if they weren't as exciting. Yeah. You know, I used to really like the fine young cannibals, but they weren't that interesting a group. Okay. There was yeah. another good young band from Manchester called the Bodines. I did. It's just an mm -hmm. argument, basically, the, the interview. But I love they, huh. they make great singles, you know. So yeah, excellent. Well, this book of yours sounds wonderful, and thank you, James, so much for coming on the show today. And hopefully uh, you come on another time. It's been really great to speak to you. Thank you so much. Um, thank you, Tessa. Yeah, if people want to find out more about you and your books, etc., James, how's the best way to do that? Uh, I'm on uh, Instagram and Twitter at James James Brown. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, James Brown. You've been amazing, and uh, good luck with the book and the writing. And hopefully, we'll chat again soon. Thank you. Mm -hmm.